And now it's time for Eastcast and reports from coastal stations. East Utsira, West Utsira, South West Utsira and North North East Utsira. Wind South West, rain at times, good. Forties, fifties, sixties, Tyne, Dogger, German Bite, French Kiss and Swiss Roll. Westerly becoming cyclonic, good. Right here in London's East End. Operating at any level, any time, anywhere, and with anybody. Who are they? One might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or a dancer in a go-go club. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Now, now, now. Welcome to Eastcast here on Resonance 104.4 FM. Uh, we're here once again to look at the arts, the culture and the people of East London, but it's stuff that will resonate way you beyond can't be just what this you can't see. corner of the world. Uh, so wherever you're listening, good to have you with us. I'm Nia Sharpentier and I'm here with Pearl Wise and Katie Haler, plus lots of guests on tonight's show. We'll be finding out about Photo Month coming up where there is currently a call out for photographers to take part. And we've got poet and musician Johnny Virgo, uh, who's also going to be performing a uh, one of his poems later uh, for us live in the studio. And hello from me. You'll also be hearing about a new exhibition at Peer Gallery in Hoxton, a community garden behind Brick Lane, plus live music from Ruth Theodore. And a hello from me. I've been finding out about a project called Girls Rock London, which we'll hear more of later on. But first, we're joined in this studio by Ingrid Swenson, who's the director of the Peer Gallery on Hoxton Street. Welcome. Thanks for joining us on a Friday night. Hello. I know you're expected home for dinner, so... <laughs> We'll make it quick. We'll, we'll make it quick. Um, so tell us about the Peer Gallery. What, what is uh, special about the Peer Gallery? Uh, well, Peer has been based in Shoreditch or East London since around 1999 and we've been on Hoxton Street since 2002. So we're quite well established in the neighbourhood. We've seen a hell of a lot of change in that time, as you can imagine. Um, but at the moment, it's a very exciting time for us because... In April, we reopened after um, a year of doing some capital building work, not just to the gallery space, but also to the space outside, transforming the outside space. Um, so what we what we are is basically two 1970s shopfront units next to the post office and across the street from the community college. And um, we are a charity. We're an Arts Council national portfolio organisation but a very, very, very tiny one. Um, and so, and we, our landlords are Hackney Council, we've got a voluntary and community sector lease, and we put on a range of different exhibitions. We don't, we're not medium specific, we don't only do photography or painting, we do, we do the whole range of artistic practice. And we also don't necessarily focus on a particular kind of artist, like a young artist. or a, we, we do sometimes very well-established artists who giving giving them the opportunity to try something new, um, to be maybe a bit more experimental than a larger organisation, an institution might allow. So we're quite wide-ranging. So tell us about this work that you've been doing this last year. What, what, what have you exactly have you been doing? Well... Where we are on Hoxton Street is sort of like the beginning of Hoxton Street proper, if you like. Um, as you say, as I said, it's near next to the post office, but the corner, that particular corner, was very badly, poorly designed in terms of 
planning. Um, it had a raised bed of planting and some overgrown trees. And um, there was a problem with antisocial behaviour and street drinkers sort of colonising the benches. So the solution was to remove the benches, which of course meant that nobody could enjoy it. And so it became very much a dead space. You know, bicycles that get nicked, people use it for peeing in, you know, that sort of, we know these sort of spaces. And it's sort of badly designed 1980s kind of urban planning. So what we did is we raised money in a variety of ways through the Arts Council, crowdfunding, trusts and foundations, to transform it, what, what it meant for us as a gallery, as a sort of public space, public gallery, is that we were kind of buried behind this rather un unfriendly place so we wanted to be more friendly so one way of doing that was to transform the immediate outside so we created we we raised um the money to do that and we created what's referred to as a pocket park um which at the moment is glorious it's an absolute full full bloom lots of colors and just this this afternoon I was noticing some mum taking lots of pictures of her kid outside. I mean, it's really enjoyed. We've reinstated planting, trees, benches, bike parking, and it really has made an, an enormous difference. And funnily enough, I mean, as we'd hoped, it makes us much more visible on the street as well. Um, so people would say to us, how long have you been here? And I said, well, since 2002. I said, oh, I never noticed you before. So the other thing we did was um, we replaced the shop fronts with big glass windows um, before they were single glazed and we had a real problem with... We, we couldn't heat the, the spaces. They were freezing cold in the winter, but we've got double glazing and so it's really reduced our carbon footprint and it means that people don't freeze and they're in the galleries and we can have events there. It's just a much more fit-for-purpose kind of a place. And I guess it fits more with the Hoxton Street landscape now because that's a street that has changed immensely over the past 10, 10 even two years, I would say. I mean, yeah, it's incredible it, it how has, it's changed. It has changed, but because, um, because of the housing in the area, there's a lot of social housing in the area and people who are council tenants. And, I mean, I'm very hopeful that it, regeneration is a very dirty word to a lot of people because it means that it makes places unaffordable for ordinary people. But um, because there's a lot of council tenants, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that the sort of the true spirit of Hoxton will be preserved and that we'll be part of that. Um, because we've been there for 14 years, we are part of part of the local community people know us we work with local schools as I said the the community college across the street and being next to the post office is a real gift because people are queuing up and they can peer through the windows um no no pun intended because the name of the organization <laughs> is peer but um and so yeah we, we we're very very much aware that People do have anxieties about crossing a threshold into an art gallery, but by putting it on the street, making it part of the landscape of the high street, we're hopeful that people will cross the threshold, have a look, and then maybe they'll get curious and wander down a bit further, go to the Whitechapel or to Trafalgar Square and go to the National Gallery. So it is, you know, it is very good quality, high quality art that you could see in other big public institutions delivered on the high street and that's the intention you've got a new exhibition that started today yeah um do you want to tell us a bit about this 
and it's on until September, so there's plenty of time yeah. to see it. It opened last night, and so it's called Out of Nowhere. Yeah, the the title Out of Nowhere is is it. We chose that title because it's the name of one of the paintings in the exhibition. Um, the exhibition is is features two artists' work. Um, one artist called Jeremy Moon, who um, very sadly died in 1973 at the age of 39, um, and a young contemporary artist called Neil Clements. And um, it's a really interesting, wonderful project. Um, Jeremy Moon is an abstract artist, so the works are very, very bold, abstract, very colourful. They're very joyous paintings, and, and the one that's called Out of Nowhere is a great big... They're all shaped canvases. They're not tr traditional, conventional squares. So the big, it's a big circle with circles cut into it. And as you said, I mean, um, you, you wanted your gallery to be accessible. I think I had a look at this and this artwork and it is incredibly accessible, you know, big, bold, primary colours. We were sort of joking where we were hanging the show the other day and saying it, it, could, it could look like sort of the backdrop to a soft play, <laughs> you know, because it is so joyous, um, big, big, bold shapes. Um, and so the other artist who's showing... Um, is Neil Clements, who's um, in his early 30s, and he's fascinated with this period of um, of art in in the UK, but also in America. And so, and he's um, and his work often references some of these great artists from the 60s and the 70s. And so, by and and well, you have to come and have a look. So he's he's made work which very directly references the work of Jeremy Moon. So um, we've just about run out of time, but um, I just wanted to add that not all of the work is in one in your gallery, is it? So it's also in the, yeah. another gallery. That's really important as well because so it's at Large Glass. The Large Glass is a gallery on on Caledonian Road, and they're showing a, 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 a fantastic range of Jeremy Moon's works on paper and works from his archive. He was incredibly prolific and draw and scribble on everything and some of those wonderful things you can see at the Large Glass Gallery. So just to remind everyone, uh, the exhibition started today and it's on until the 17th of September. It's at the Peer Gallery, which is which? Uh, what number is it? It's Hoxton 97 Street? and 99, but the numbering's a bit odd, just next to the post next office. Next to the post office <laughs> on Hoxton Street. And then more of the work you can see, um, I think it's... 394 Caledonian 392 Caledonian Road yeah 392 Caledonian Road so um yeah that's um out of nowhere thank you so much Ingrid for coming in and talking to us about peers really thank you I, and I cycled past the gallery with all the plants in front of it the other day and it really does look spectacular at the moment so definitely worth just walking past and, and there's and a Chrysophili clock as well which we've put there so yeah it's 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 quite worth worth the trip I'd say excellent thank you so much thank you now, the music industry is, as you would expect, an incredibly exciting place. Innovation seems pretty constant. New instruments, new ways of playing old instruments, and new sounds are part of what makes music great. Yet, the industry still suffers from a lack of gender balance, from artists to producers. And I've been speaking to a group of musicians who are working hard to address this for Londoners in and around Hackney. You can't be what you can't see. 
and there is a lot of these girls and women who might not even have have considered that this could be something that they can do because there's not enough female role models in the industry. Girls Rock London is a non-for-profit organisation run by musicians that encourages girls, women and anyone who identifies as female to make music and with that improve their self-confidence. I've come to meet three of the band tutors, Vicky, Linda and Jessie, to find out more about the organisation and the impact the band camps have. My name's Jessie Marin Davis and I am a piano player and organiser and a band coach at Girls Rock London. So Girls Rock London is about creating a, a space where women and girls can get together and make music, form a band, write a song and feel like they're in a safe space to be expressive and make some noise and have some fun. Yeah, Blue Studios are an amazing um, studio, rehearsal space, recording studio, and they've been awesome with us the whole way through our time. Um, In terms of why Dalston, I think the place that we're going to hold our camps, it's really important that we have good relationship with that place um, because we're going to then sort of take over the whole studios and transform it into a kind of our own community for that week. It's really important to us that we kind of embed the camp in the community where possible. I think... um, there are a lot of girls out there who might not always have access to like extracurricular music activities and have maybe the support at home to kind of help them with learning an instrument or, or picking up a new thing or taking time during the holiday to take part in an activity. And so we've been working hard to um, reach out to girls from the Hackney community and make sure that we've got five fully subsidised places on camp available so that like girls from Hackney um, can, can take part. Uh, my name is Linda Burato and I am a guitarist and general noisemaker and I am one of the organiser of Girls Rock London and also a band coach and guitar tutor at camps. We've had like Kate Nash coming to our camp, we're going to have Wolf Ellie from Wolf Alice coming in and these are all, all girls that just came out and they all preach about being yourself and take the guitar it doesn't, doesn't you don't have to have incredible musical skill or anything just be creative and do what you want and it's it's really good to see the support from all these people and it's important that we support them and they support us I'm Vicky O'Neon um, and I'm a drum tutor at camp and I'm also one of the organizers and co-founders as we all are and also one of the band coaches at camp. At least personally for me, uh, I had a lot of insecurities when I started off and I constantly felt like I had to prove myself when I went up on stage in a different way than maybe men would have to do, but that might also have been just in my head uh, and I really want to try to create a place for these girls where they don't feel the same sort of insecurities that I felt and I know a lot of my female colleagues also have felt. Well we acknowledge the fact that women are women aren't represented across the music industry on kind of all levels not just the performance aspect but managers in the labels like producers, producers yeah, there's just a big discrepancy and it's kind of a big man's word in that term. And also a lot of... We've encountered with all the, the girls that we've talked to that 
many times they the reason why they haven't started working or or even approaching music was because it was they were so intimidated and their self-confidence was down because of the male like dominated uh, atmosphere and stuff so we kind of decided that we needed to work towards that by giving them the chance to actually pick up a music instrument in a safe space but also working on like working on their confidence and all of these issues that are around the gender gap in the industry so uh, by creating this platform for them and also bringing in loads of professional female artists that they get to see every day during camp it really opens up their eyes to to an alternative that maybe this is something that they could do and they could achieve with their lives it's so much more than just creating music together just a safe space where they can express themselves in any in any way they want and it's amazing to see how much it helps them in every other aspect in life they walk differently they talk differently with the confidence about knowing who they are and who they want to be i work quite a lot in um education settings and do a lot of workshops in schools around the UK and internationally and I often notice that it still exists that stereotype that if you mention the word guitarist or drummer or like tech or whatever then then I think a lot of young young kids would imagine that role being filled by a man so it's probably worth just saying that I think there's just still a lot of like gendered stuff going on from quite a young age about about yeah. who fills these I was, roles. Um, I just came back from um a massive tour I was supporting Queen and Adam Lambert and they have 40 people that work in the crew and between this 40 people there was one girl a lot of people still come up and say oh oh I've never seen a girl drummer play like you or it's always like you, you put that that word girl before and they don't mean it in an insulting way at all but it's like I just wish that we will get to a point where you would just get complimented for your skills and not have your gender as a part of that. So I just had an experience working at Glastonbury at the Arcadia stage where uh, the team that was running the whole thing was like 60% women, 40% men. And that's the first time I worked in an environment that was so supportive and really including everybody. And that's when you realize how important that female energy is in these environments. And that's why I really, really hope that there will be more and more women doing this in the future because it just benefits everybody as a whole. Uh, yeah, my name is Sabine Zerner. I am from Germany originally. I have been living in London since 2008 now. Um, in my real life, I'm an architect. I'm 43 years old um, and I enjoy doing music in my spare time. Yeah, it was very... Um, you could see the difference. Um, the women's environment was just so pleasant in a way and so non-judgmental and very... Um, empowering I'm trying to organize another studio session at the moment so I think we've got a date um, in the diary now for next Tuesday so I hope my band is coming back together to create another song Uh, we want to create a platform and a community where they do stay in touch afterwards where they feel like they've found a network that they might not necessarily have had uh, before which we very strongly seen after this first camp we have a Facebook group that on a daily basis gets just 
you know, people post all the time, really inspiring posts. People meet up all the time. There's bands that's been created after that camp. And that's sort of the long-term goal as well, to just, if they keep on doing it, then the word will spread and it will just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, and actually that Facebook group, to me, is such an inspiring thing to behold of what's come of our Women's Rock camp. Because it's a supportive place, like a lot of women have been posting, how do I get hold of this instrument? Or who wants to come with me to this gig to see this awesome artist? And it's it's a real sense of, it's a community that's outside of just those few days of camp. And that's exactly what we're after and what we're about. The movement Girls Rock started in Portland 2001. Uh, and now there's camps literally all over the world and the movement just keeps getting bigger and stronger and we have a very strong network in between all the camps all over the world um, there is a toolkit online where everybody can access information on how to start a camp anywhere in the world we have international conferences every year where anyone who who can will come together and talk about how we can spread the word how we can make our camps better um, and it's really inspiring if there was one thing that you've taken from the course, what would it be? Um, probably I can do it. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. I can do it and I've got the right to do it. And if you'd like to know more about Girls Rock London, you can check out their website, girlsrocklondon.com. There are still places left for their upcoming girls' camp in August with five subsidised places specifically for Hackney residents. So if you know a teenager who'd be interested or if you work for a youth organisation, Girls Rock London would love to hear from you. Thanks, Katie. And joining us uh, now in the studio and keeping in theme is Ruth Theodore, who happens to be both female and a musician. So thanks, Ruth, for joining us. Um, so I know you were doing a sound check during the last piece, but would you have been inspired to join a girls' rock camp in your teenage years? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, as a, a composer and sort of part-time producer of music, I definitely find that it's... Yeah, the numbers are not balanced at all, so I completely agree with everything they've just said. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> yeah. Excellent, thank you. So we'll hear a bit more about you, but first you're going to play us a track. What are you going to play? Uh, I'm going to play a track called Everything is Temporary, which is off the new record Cacticus. Um, and this one is specifically East London-based. Um, I've got a couple of tracks like that, so I'm, I'm fitting in with the theme. Perfect, so thank you. Is everything is temporary. Oh, virtue has its perks. Oh, 
bubble bursts eventually. Everything is temporary. So that's from your upcoming album, which uh, Cacticus, which will be released in September. Yeah, September the twenty second is the launch date at the Borderline, um, and the third twenty third it comes out. And this is quite a stripped back version because all, all yeah, the tracks are, have got quite a lot more going on. You've worked with lots of different producers. Yeah. So for this record, most of my records before this, I produced myself, and um, this time I really hungered for another input. And um, so I contacted um, through... I supported Annie DeFranco a few years back and through that got connections with her kind of crew. And um, so I contacted Todd Sikafus, who was really up for producing the record. So then, um, before I knew it, like September last year, I was travelling through America to go up and meet him and make the record with really incredible musicians that, you know, you kind of dream about. So that was exciting. Did that change some of your writing to just that kind of production to have to work with other people for the first time? Well, I'd written the stuff beforehand. Um, and what I was trying to create with the whole record with it, with a sense of heat and kind of sexual tension and d- 
just kind of drought and so it was really quite fitting that when I landed in America California was in its drought period and so everything was really fitting up until uh yeah then I went and worked there and um and we just kind of collaborated you know what it's collaboration you you end up with some things how you expect and some things not how you expect in good ways so yeah and you're the second musician we've had on the show in a row who lives in a canal boat on the on the, on the lee yeah. um is that is that it seems to be like a really good space for artists just to be able to get away from it all and sit back it seems to be like really a place where you can be more productive if you found that um well truth be told the reason i'm on the river was 10 years ago i was skint and squatting underneath a bench and uh, <laughs> so it was a cheap way of being in London that I could afford to sustain being a musician. It wasn't about being creative and being a novelty factor. It was about literally survival. And um, and yeah, I happen to live on a piece of land that's kind of contested and things like that. So um, I have more freedom than most boaters, which I'm pleased about, but it, hence why I've been there so long. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all changing. Yeah. Hence your your song. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're going to hear another track. Um, and so what are you going to play next? Um, I'm going to play a song called Kissing in Traffic, um, which was written before the shop came out. Do you remember uh, that shop? It's gone now. Oh, vaguely, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyway, but I thought it's Friday night and people might be driving. So I'll play that. Quite like sitting at a red light, caught in your stare, 
knowing that I'm going nowhere. Cause as luck would have it, there's something magic about kissing in traffic. So send up a flare. Cause I swear we might. Yeah. Oh, we might be getting somewhere. anything don't worry <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> thanks so much Ruth Theodore that was Kissing in Traffic um, from her upcoming album Cacticus which will be released on the 22nd of September um, so we will listen out for that thanks so, so much Ruth for joining us you're listening to East Cast Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. Don't forget you can get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook at East Cast Show. And you can listen again to our interviews and music online or on iTunes um, and also at uh, eastcastshow.com where you can also sign up to our monthly newsletter so you can get all our audio news straight to your inbox. And it's worth reading. Um, so a couple of months back, I found myself at a very unique space um, created on a bit of wasteland behind Brick Lane called the Nomadic Community Gardens. I'll let some of the people on site explain. My name's Hayley Edwards and this is my cafe, Roving Cafe London. We are in the Maddy Community Gardens in East London, Welsh Shoreditch. And we're literally standing under the overground, which we can hear. Actually, we don't hear them after a while. It's sort of like strange rumblings. So tell me about this nomadic garden space. What is it? It's quite unique. There's a guy, a guy called James Wheel and another guy called Jay who approached the private property developers, London, Newcastle. It came about when a friend of mine and I called Junior found this bit of land and we'd already had an idea to do something that was kind of practical and physical to improve quality of life in East London. My name's James Wheel, uh, everyone calls me Jimmy. We are in the Nomadic Gardens just behind Brick Lane. It's a community garden, open arts and events space. Um, they knew that the land was going to be 
developed on but could they they had an idea about having a project to use land in the meantime very clever isn't it really i'd come across the idea of temporary spaces in berlin when i spent a bit of time there and since coming back we managed to locate the space and secure the permission to use it from the landowners we had a really good proposal we had complete courage of our conviction we by then had already spent a lot of time talking about the project so we were able to articulate it pretty well and to be honest it was really our two ideals that I myself and junior and the development company kind of met you know these guys are people who really take their corporate social responsibility quite seriously they're people who have already sanctioned meanwhile use projects in some of their um, other spaces but indoors i don't think that anyone else came up with a better proposal and luckily for us they took a punt and they said yeah go on and give it a go and uh, we've ended up with this amazing garden so you really got the community garden beds there was already graffiti happening here an area where people like a campfire people could play music so they've been here exactly just over a year. They will grant us reprieve for as long as they're not ready to do anything here. So that unfortunately is a bit indeterminate. It doesn't necessarily secure how long we will be here. It's kind of like a sword of Damocles kind of hanging over our heads. But that's kind of what the project's all about. It's about making best use of the space for as long as we've got it. They saw me trading with my van, Hey Dad, in Bethnal Green. Well, three people that are involved with the gardens suggested it may be an idea to come here. I walked into the gardens and I saw this magnificent um, sculpture. Can you describe it? It's wooden. He looks like a horse. We're not too sure, really. Don't really like to ask the artist. I'm taking it as a bit like a Trojan horse, in a good way type of thing. Saw it and I thought, wow, magnificent. Yes, please. Let's have a go. So it's local community, very arty. Obviously the graffiti we've had. Jim Vision, who does a lot of the graffiti, was his partner who suggested that I come and trade here as well. James Wheel built this shelter for me. Um, I added the chandelier because necessity, I feel. So the garden really works on, uh, I think, five core elements. The main one being the allotment space, which is individually managed vegetable beds that the local residents in the area look after. And then there's the event space that people can kind of congregate and we are able to host events, um, different fundraisers and, and, and activities. Then there is the sort of urban oasis area where there's lots of seating. Uh, there's some nice little spots for people to have picnics and a, a seven metre fishing boat where children can sort of play. And then there's the boneyard which is our sort of recycle reuse yard where we've stored and collected lots of really useful materials for use by locals and artists in their endeavors and then there's the street art and the sort of paint with impunity policy where we're able to allow painters the freedom to paint up the wall space that we have here and we've built some giant freestanding easels that we've covered in in eight before sheets of plywood that have become these giant outdoor canvases the beauty of street art is that you know the walls are nobody's if somebody wishes to paint they paint we don't censor the walls in any manner we allow everybody to come if we have a sort of uh, unwritten rule which is if you think you can do better than the thing you're going over go ahead that doesn't always stick firm but I mean it's great because it, it sort of then allows the quality to increase again slowly from the bottom up uh, 
So we've got um, some basic fundamental materials really that we're working with. One of the main things being pallets, you know, incredibly versatile um, ready-made material that you can break apart and use just the slats to clad buildings and sort of fill gaps or you can use the sort of basic structure of to put together in interesting ways to create seating. The way that we build is, uh, is never fixed or permanent so we don't for example if we were to raise a roof dig the foundations into the what we've developed is for example is bedding a post that will suspend a uh, roof in tyres that are filled with concrete and then we put the last tyre over once that's set and fill that with soil and you can grow plants around it. And that way, once the, once the roof gets taken down, you can just wheel that post onto the back of a lorry or, or truck and move it onto the next site. So everything that, that has been built has been built with the idea of being impermanent. And it's been built pretty quickly because obviously the time period has been so indeterminate that we need to just throw stuff up so we you know we, we try not to cut anything to be honest and, and just find the wood that fits and, and and get it up there and get it you know and get it working so it does create a sort of shanty style effect what's nice about it is that it's purely organic you know it's not contrived it's not preformed or fabricated and it's up to the users of the garden to build what they need so how long have you had a, an allotment here? Uh, since six, six months. But about. you know, even I, my dad made something for my mum, but it's broken. Everything grows so quickly though, doesn't it? Yeah. So quickly. Be- it's because I grew some things over there with him and him and with, and with another man, and they're already... They're what did over, you grow? Um, um, carrots. And they're, and they're ready? No, not ready. They're, they're already grown loads. They're what? over there. In, in yeah. the, you know the one with the red, with, red with the red pots. That's where they're in. Can you show me? Yeah. Can we have a look? Yeah. You'll get a lot of the local people now like tending their beds, so growing their vegetables. Recently, there was a meeting of styles, so there was all this. All of these walls were painted. They're developing more uh, workshops where they're going to do carpentry. They're going to do. Um, people that can learn how to do street art like kiddies we're doing we have a yoga and brunch class here sort of every couple of weeks so a lot of things have been obviously weather dependent people come in and play music the guy over at the far end who's Salim who's built his own um, like pagoda yes my name's Richard Salim Sleeman I've been waiting for a few years for an opportunity like this so they offered me a little space on the materials and off we went. My most famous work in London is uh, Sarastro Restaurant, Drury Lane. Uh-huh. That's worth a trip. Well, we live just over there. You can oh, see us. See. You see our front door. And we just wandered in one time. We'd been here for... Oh, We've been four here for five, like every day. We've been here for, well, yeah, but before we came here, we were here about four or five months. We're para-carnival, so we do carnival for children and uh, vulnerable adults, with loads of us, all different, you know, wheelchairs, you name it. We choreograph them. It's all in line with this place here, you know, inclusion. It's me, my wife, and about sort of 100 other people, really, you know, members. We've got more members than that. And here we'll do a sort of cabaret level of things. In here be the stage. Be a bit like the globe, actually. Uh, we'd, we'd probably start around June the f- first doing something, 
and then sort of build up to Notting Hill, Hackney Carnival, and the Shuffle Festival up here. Yeah, that's really big for us. We've done that three or four years running. Of course, I've been concentrated on this because it's quite a sort of intensive thing. Fabulous dome. What will it be made of? Pallet wood and fiberglass. Should be splendid. Oh, I think this is fabulous. This is this is one of the best examples ever, ever. It's a, it's a, it's a rarity. This and the people it brings together, people that don't normally mix. that's the nomadic community garden just behind brick lane i don't think the descriptions do um the garden justice we've just posted a a, an amazing photo with a rainbow on twitter so go and have a look at that um yeah so go for it sounds good thanks paul um with us in the studio now is maggie pinhorn from alternative arts maggie welcome um you've been on the show before to tell us about um photo month photography show which um happens every year um remind us what photo month is all about well it's now an international photography festival stretches right across october and november and the aim is to support um, emerging and established photographers and give them an opportunity to show their work in all kinds of interesting, unusual spaces as well as galleries. And you're calling out for photographers for submissions round about now, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. now's the time. Everybody's <laughs> getting their shows together. Getting there early. And they've got to submit them. They submit them online mm-hmm. um, to us at uh, photomonth.org. Okay. Um, and is there a theme at all? Well... I have to say that you couldn't possibly give them a theme for the simple reason that uh, the huge variety of photographers and what they're looking at and photographing, it's extraordinary and fascinating. Um, And many of the photographs, really really good photographs, have extraordinary narrative and amazing composition, so... That's what we're looking for, really. Okay, and and this year is a bit different because there's another element um, that you're working on, uh, the Dalston Street Show. Yes, every, every year that? we try to introduce some some new element, and uh, this time um, we've been commissioned by Hackney Council to um, carry out a, a project which is centred around Dalston, and what we've come up with is something called the Dalston Street Show, and uh, we're inviting photographers to. Um, look at Dalston, day and night. So that's the theme. That's the theme for that. Um, and uh, take it's the most extraordinary air place, and we want to demonstrate its diversity because it's quite remarkable. There's all different kinds of people that live there and work there and shop there and do all sorts of extraordinary things there. So um, that's the idea. Um, and uh, we're also inviting all the shops, restaurants cafes, bars, cultural spaces to exhibit the work, but to exhibit in their window so that um, each of the venues will have an image in their window and you will see the exhibition from the street. So as you walk up and down the street, you'll gradually become aware that there are these remarkable photographs. And uh, so I've had occasion to visit 
and research every single one of these places. How many are there? Well, there's an awful lot. Um, uh, But, uh, yes, uh, it's about 200, 300. Mm -hmm. It's a very big lot. I mean, that's something that sets um, Photo Month apart, isn't it? Is that it's not just in galleries. It is the idea is to to show the, the, the work all over. Um, just sort of ordinary places that people go uh, on their day-to-day. Yes, yes, we're very keen to engage the community. And that way, if you show work in all kinds of spaces, uh, particularly people enjoy seeing work in social spaces, so if they go into a cafe or a bar and everything and they they meet their friends and look at the work, and remarkably, um, they also might buy it. Mm because they've enjoyed being there and seeing it. Um, but And photography is, I mean, it is the most democratic visual art form. It's highly accessible. We accept all kinds of photographers. Um, and they, it, it has this element of being very immediate, the immediacy of it. And also the history of photography is very democratic. Mm. And it's that that is really um, a great pleasure to actually, it's hard work. Mm. But it really does, you know, and all, people see things, many, many people don't go into galleries, for instance, because they think they don't know what it's about or um, or they wouldn't necessarily understand. But photographs are something that they're much closer to. Mm. And now, of course, everybody has a phone and they're taking photographs all the time, which is brilliant. Um, I was going to ask you about that. So, so the submissions, um, I mean, does it need to be a kind of professional standard or could it be something that someone snaps on their phone? Well, what matters is that it's a good photograph, mm. and that is what matters. And uh, it, it's uh, it, uh, you can it's um, it's what you perceive within the frame, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's also entirely uh, the choice of the photographer. I mean, they have to have the initiative to go off and find somewhere to show their work, mm. and make all those arrangements and do it. And um, we don't judge to say whether you can or can't show it. The whole point is that it's, the access is absolutely free. And, you know, you can, if you want to be part of Photo Month, you can. That's great. And so how can people get involved? Well, for the Dalston Street Show, we're very keen for people to be involved in that. And we want them to come along and take photographs. And uh, it, that's completely uh, free to enter. And we want all submissions in by September the 9th. Um, and so if I think the best way to find out about that is possibly to email us um, at info at alternativearts.co.uk and we'll send them a submission form and you can participate. And uh, if you ask around, you'll soon find out about it. Um, and as for Photo Month, for the rest, because it does spread right across East London, um, if you go online to photomonth.org, you can submit your entry. As easy as that. Yes, <laughs> that sounds excellent. Of course. Thank you so much for joining us again. It's good to see you, and um, yeah, hope uh, Photo Month is another really good, good, uh, good year. We think it will be a vintage year this year. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you. Well, it's nearly the end of the show, so last but certainly not least, I'd like to introduce you to Johnny Virgo, rapper, poet, music producer. Johnny, welcome. Hi, uh, how are you doing? How's it going? I'm good, thanks, cool. Excellent. Enjoying the show. Excellent. So you've been uh, patiently waiting throughout the show, um, so thanks very much for that. And I believe you're going to perform a poem for us. Yeah, so it's a poem. What it is, it's actually the first chapter of a reverse novel that's written. It's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure conspiracy thriller. And um, it's all going to happen within three minutes. So it's in the second person. 
Let's check it out. It's called Hungover. Seagulls echo through the ends, but the buzzers don't work, so the banging is louder. Boom, boom, like the feds or the sound of gunpowder. You open your eyes, standing in the room, naked as reality swims around you while your pulse beats faster. You check the security camera. Be cool, it's no drama, just your assistant, Nate Adwaka. On the 13th floor, a surface breeze knocks the pot plants over with regular ease. You hear the crash through the doors, reinforced steel. Nate's peed off like a mother on a security monitor. Hips the scarf, flapping leather jacket and jeans, all designed. The youths iron up the lens with a mad vendetta as he screams your name. SD, I know you're in there and you know better. Are you ashamed? Open the door, fam. I can hear you hiding behind that base. What kind of truth warrior hides like a chichi man? Are you waste? Show your face, fam. Show your face. Nate has a crowbar in one hand and abundant newspapers in the other. He stands restless on the walkway as the violent wind whips the scarf up behind him. Next door, Miss Fernandez is ranting, trying to feed her boy's child, Guillermo. Guillermo just wants to play video games from sundown to the school bell, shooting pixelated feds and dodging virtual jail. You can hear him getting brainwashed in the silence. Take, hate, kill. The music from your sound system plays 24-7 just in case any of your enemies decide to monitor your home still. The light stays dark and you breathe. It's going to be hot. Nate has no way of telling if you're in these four walls, whether you got the settlement cash and splurged it all or whether you're in the same situation as him, truth-seeking and poor. The youth stands. Nate's beating down your door, face hard granite in the London morn. Your room's locks untouched apart from the bed where you slept and you wait for Nate to step back. Relax. As you pick your trousers up and shake out shrapnel and a few pounds, some condoms and an RFID-proof holder for your cards falls down on the bare mattress. No pot of gold yet, just a bad head that wants to drop right off your neck into the pit of a hangover. The banging gets louder and you take deep breaths. Your black phone glows on the dresser as Nate calls your phone over and again. He heads to the window and clangs the metal mesh that protects the glass with the crowbar. Yo, star, open up. Stop acting like a moist fam and face man or it's over. Nate's teeth are gritted, and a deep voice he puts on goes a tone higher. Nate don't know, threatening you is playing with fire. Across the doorway stretches the electromagnetic wire with its humming field buzzing, all the while ready to shock intruders running from the line you took right from the grid, up to the transformer hooked to your computer to the inside of that mesh that Nate's touching. The buzz is nothing to the base, but anyone that pulls off the shutter is going to suffer. You pick up your phone, contemplating whether to disarm the electrical supply. Nate just don't know. Gus always told you to watch your friends and keep your enemies close. So you steal your heart and talk to your dad's ghost. All the while Nate waits. The youth's been there for you for like a year now, working hard on the site, helping with the tech, infiltrating. But as you see him calling, all you can think about is the feds. You look in Nate's eyes and for the first time since you've known him, it looks like he's crying. He bangs the door again. SD, I need to talk to you. Something mad's going on, and we need you here. It's about TJ. Mm. Yeah. That was awesome. Mm. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Whoa. Johnny, for coming in. Um, and I hope that we'll hear some more for, uh, of your work. In the, oh, in the yeah, that's, that's the first chapter of City of Conspiracy. It's a, so where a, can people read on? Uh, you can get the app, download an app that's launching on Halloween, which okay. will be like either an audiobook audio adventure or you can read if you want to read okay cool thank you very much that's great cheers um so it is time for us to say goodbye now eastcast will be back soon on resonance 104.4 fm with more sounds and stories and in the meantime you can find everything on eastcastshow.com 
We're now going to leave you with another track from Ruth Theodore, who played live for us earlier on in the show. This track is called Scavengers, so goodbye and thanks for listening. Where the trouble is, where everybody else lives in the bins and the boats.